everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Uh, again, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we are going through a bit of a journey with the life of Elisha. The last two sessions, we've spoken about lighting a fire and how to follow well, how to be a good imitator of those who are great in your life. So what I want to do today is we're going to carry on with this story, and I want to speak into the idea of digging ditches. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. For those of you who join week in and week out, thank you so much for joining us again. As far as possible, we release a podcast every week. And the point of this podcast is to spend 10, 15 minutes together understanding what living for Jesus is all about. And so whether you're listening to this, having a cup of coffee or tea in your car, on your way to work or at gym, perhaps dropping off the kids, welcome. Let's dive in today's session. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on. And let's go. So the context for today is, as we mentioned last week, Elijah has gone to heaven. Elisha is now the preeminent prophet of the time. The king of Israel was a man by the name of Joram, and he was one of the many kings that didn't follow God, but were engaged in idolatry. You kind of see this pattern all the way through. However, Israel weren't doing too badly. The land of Moab was under their rule, and so the Moabite king had to pay Israel a bit of a tax. When Joram became king, the Moab king decided to rebel. And so the context of this is rebellion happening between kingdoms. Joram, the king of Israel, rallied all his troops together, but he still wasn't sure if that would be enough. And so he sends a message to the king of Judah. Judah and Israel under David had been one kingdom, but as many of you know, they had since split after Solomon's son was not wise. They were not overly friendly with each other, but these kings decided to fight together against Moab. Not only that, but they also got another king and his army to join them, the king of Edom. So here we are, three kings, three armies, and they march out to battle. They decide on a route to take, but the Bible describes it as a roundabout way, so much so that after seven days of marching, they had no more water, they were exhausted, and they had nothing left to refresh them. They had nothing to give them strength. And if you know anything about warfare, if your soldiers are weak from a lack, you're not going to win the battle. I think some of us know what that's like. For some of us, we've been marching for a while. And we even have people marching with us, but we find ourselves in a place where we've got nothing left. Perhaps it's because you've gone a roundabout way to get where you need to go. Perhaps it's just because you've been marching for so long. And we're tired and we're broke and there's nothing we can do to get us out of this place like a desert. In this story, the kings and the soldiers hadn't even fought yet. They hadn't made it to the end of their journey and they had nothing left. We know this feeling all too well. You're only on Wednesday and you feel like you've got nothing left for the rest of the week. It's halfway through the month and there's no money left. It's only July and you feel like you've lived a whole year. This isn't just a story that happened a couple thousand years ago. This is a mirror of so many of us, the lives we're living today. And I love the contrast in reactions that we read about in this passage. Joram begins to complain and he begins to blame God. God didn't tell them to go that way, but he blames God. The king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who still serves God, turns to God. These are the standard two responses we have, right? We, we either blame God or we turn to him. The problem is blaming God doesn't change anything, but turning to him changes everything. Jehoshaphat asks if there is a prophet among them. And the people say Elisha was there. Why Elisha was traveling with an army, I have no idea, but there he is. Even when we think we have wandered too far away from God, he is there. I love the fact that even though they were seven days away from where the prophet used to be, the, the presence of the prophet was still there. God never leaves, but sometimes we're just not aware of his presence. When they find Elisha and bring him to the kings, 
They had such an interesting conversation. And we find this in 2 Kings 3, 13 to 14. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. In other words, go to your pagan, idolatrous prophets. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. I love this. Man, the, the courage in Elisha. Essentially, Elisha tells the king of Israel, one of the most powerful men in the world, that he isn't even worth looking at apart from the fact that who he was with. I love that. This is brilliant. This guy has guts. Eventually, they get a harpist, and Elisha, in the midst of music, gets a message from God for all the kings gathered. Verse 16, we read this. This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Elisha tells them, hey, go dig ditches, okay? Fill the valley with ditches because the Lord is going to bring them exactly what they need and more. The end of the story is the next morning, the valley is full of water and the, Mo the Moabites make a terrible decision because they're confused as to what the water is. And it's not only the water not only sustains Israel, it actually defeats the enemy. This is a great story and you might be listening to this thinking, there's no way that happened. There's no way that ever happened. That's okay if you're struggling to believe a valley in the desert got filled with water from nowhere. It doesn't make sense at all. But just for a moment, I want to ask the question, what if, what if it is true? What if it was true? Then, then could it also be true for us today? If God filled the valley with water, then could he do the same for me in my valley? Could he miraculously provide exactly what I need and more in the middle of my desert? Starts to make your heart beat a little faster, doesn't it? There's a couple of points I want to pull out here. And the first one is this idea of fullness. Full. There is an interesting word that Elisha uses. It's the word full. He says, make the valley full of ditches. This is the only thing in the passage that God asks the people to do. He does everything else. He fills the valley with water. He defeats the enemy. But he says, oh, what I need you to do, people, is fill a valley of ditches. Now, here is why this is incredibly cool. Can you imagine being one of the soldiers digging the ditches? In that situation, water can only come from two places. It's either going to rain or it might be that there's water below the surface. And if you dig deep enough, you might tap into an underground stream. Either way, digging a ditch makes sense if either of those are viable options. So you begin to dig. And the obvious hope is that there is water beneath the surface because then the water will be there soon. However, they dig the first ditch and the second ditch and the third and so on and so on. They dig ditch after ditch and there is nothing. The sand isn't even a little bit moist, never mind finding water. So you may think, okay, so if it rains, then, then, then the valley will fill with water and, and, and that's fine. But the more you dig, the hotter it gets. You can't see a single cloud in the sky. In fact, you haven't seen a cloud for the last seven days. I don't know what you would have done in that situation, but I know. After the third ditch, I would have sat down and given up. What they'd been told to do didn't make sense. If you know after digging a few ditches, there's no water there, what's the point in digging more? 
Logically, digging ditches didn't make sense. In fact, it went against all logic. The soldiers and the kings were looking to God to refresh them and give them more energy, and God asks them to spend their last drops of energy digging ditches that bring no water. Instead of preserving their energy in the hot desert, they spent all their energy digging ditches. But they did it. They filled the valley with ditches. You and I have the same choice. We might have gotten ourselves into a really messy situation. In fact, it's more than messy. It's chaotic. It's crazy. However, in a moment of faith or whatever it was, you stopped blaming God and you turned to God and he asked you to do something that made no sense. He asked you the equivalent of digging ditches in a valley. You've no money left. There are bills to pay and debt collectors are knocking on the door and God says, I want you to tithe. Wait a second, God. I don't think you heard my prayer right or maybe you weren't paying attention. I need more money. That's the problem. The problem is I don't have any money to give. And God keeps saying, give, tithe, fill the valley with ditches. You may be in a marriage where you fought with your husband or wife for so long, you don't even know why you're still there. You cry out to God to make them love you again like they used to. You haven't got any love left because you've been on the receiving end of their abuse or their, or their or abdication, whatever it is. You've been on the receiving end of lack for so long. And God says to you, give them a kiss when they walk in the door. Tell them you love them before they fall asleep. And you sit back and again, the same things fly through your mind. God, did you even hear my prayer? What I need is to feel loved. How can I give what I don't have? God, you know how long he or she has been doing this to me. God, if anyone should give love, it's them. Make them kiss me. Make them tell me I'm loved. I don't have any love left to give. And God says, do it anyway. Fill the valley with ditches. You could apply it to business or anything. And the problem is that we can't do this half-heartedly. We have to fill the valley with ditches. You have to spend the last ounce of energy that you've got. I can just imagine as they perspire digging those ditches, they might be thinking, why am I wasting my moisture in a place where I'm not going to get any? But here's the good news. If we are faithful in digging the ditch, God is faithful to do the rest. God is faithful to fill the valley with water. God is faithful to provide exactly what you need in the middle of your desert. God is faithful to bring not only provision to you, but victory over your enemy as well. God doesn't only want to provide for us, he wants to promote us. That is his side of the bargain. He will do the things that we can't do. He will provide even though we have no idea how or from where. He will restore even when we have nothing left. He will promote and bring the victory even when we have nothing left to give. There is, however, a process. We have our part to play. And this is not because God is saying you have to earn the miracle. What God is saying is, I want you to be part of the miracle. Please, please, please. Again, we never want to elevate works above grace. We never want to have a misunderstanding. This is not about earning your miracle. It's about getting ready for your miracle. Just like in the story, the miracle was the provision of water. The valley was just a vehicle to hold it. If we only have one ditch, then we only have a small miracle. If on the other hand, the valley is full of ditches, if we've given it everything, then when God moves, we see his fullness. God can do more than we ever dreamed possible. What seems impossible for us is easy in the sight of God. Jesus would say it this way in the Beatitudes. When you, blessed are you when you are at the end of your rope, poor in heart, poor in spirit, end of your rope. What seems impossible for us is easy in the sight of God. And in fact, that's exactly the word Elisha uses. He says, this is an easy thing for God. I want to encourage you today. Where has God called you to do something that makes no sense? Where are you done? 
Where are you finished? Where have you already given up and decided to move on to the next thing because you are tired and exhausted and finished? Maybe it's in that exact place of lack, that exact desert place that God is going to do the biggest miracle in your life. I pray this week that wherever God's asked you to do the crazy, the impossible, that you would hear him and you would be faithful and you would dig that valley full of ditches because my prayer, my faith that I have on your behalf is that God is going to do the miraculous. Not only is he going to provide water in your drought, he's also going to provide victory in your battle. And that's my prayer for you today and this week that you're going to see the victory of God. God bless you. We will see you same time, same place next week where we wrap up this mini-series that we're doing with Elisha's life. Same, see you same time, same place next week. God bless you, everybody. Mm-hmm.